Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a fine edition of Pacific Rim right here. 1029 and 750 the game. Greg Peterson flying solo on this special edition of Pacific Rim as we're talking about the players that declared for the NBA draft. I know that the NFL draft is going on right now, and obviously there's a team up there in Chicago that made a less-than-seller decision with their first overall pick, but we're going to be focusing on the NBA side of things as it was de- it was announced the uh, early declarees for the draft. There were 182 total. This was put out by the NBA earlier this week. The drop dead period was Sunday, April 23rd. They put out the list on Tuesday. There are a total of 182 players that are undergraduates slash players that are playing overseas, things like that, that have declared for the draft. 137 from colleges and 45 international players. We're going to focus first on the guys that are going to be coming from the state of Oregon as surprisingly enough, there are two players from Oregon State. I mean, as unbelievable as it is, they won one game in conference this year. They had two. Obviously, Stephen Thompson Jr., he's a sophomore. He was a guard. He had some solid minutes for the team. He was obviously injured throughout much of the year, especially in the beginning part. He has declared for the draft. Drew Eubanks, who many people have in the top 100 of their big boards. Many people have them right around 80. He'll probably be either a very, very late second-round pick or a free agent. He also declared for the draft. I think both these guys are going to be coming back. Both these guys are sophomores, but at the same time, I think that Drew Eubanks is a guy that could stick around. I just don't think that Thompson Jr. is going to leave, especially with his father being an assistant at Oregon State. I mean, I'm going to make this one nice and easy. I Oregon State won one game in conference last year, and ironically enough, the team that had the most players declared for the draft last year in the Pac-12, Washington State, you know how many games they won in the Pac-12 that year? Uno. So I don't get how that works, and we're going to be getting into that in a couple minutes. That's going to be fun as I'm going to lambaste the system, but we're going to talk more about the Oregon Ducks I've declared for the draft as there are three undergraduates that have, I mean, obviously, Cavell Bigby-Williams has requested to transfer. Casey Benson, it looks like he's going to be transferring likely to Grand Canyon, though we don't know where his whereabouts are going to be. Obviously, Chris Boucher is in the draft since he has no more eligibility. Dylan Ennis will probably be playing overseas. I just don't see him getting drafted, but I mean, Jordan Bell declared for the draft a couple weeks ago. I think that he's going to be a late first to an early second round pick. I mean, he played his way way he played his way way up during the uh, NBA draft or not the NBA draft during the NCAA tournament. I mean, obviously that run to the Final Four. He didn't block out against North Carolina in the last couple seconds of a pass that he had 16 rebounds in that game. Was just a man possessed against Kansas. And there's going to be an NBA team that's going to be very like lucky to have him. He was never really a prolific scorer, but he's the all-time leading shot blocker at Oregon. Tons of upside, very good defensive player. If he can just keep on hitting the weight room, get even a little bit stronger than he is right now, there's going to be a team that's going to be very lucky to have him. I mean, uh... Dorsey, Tyler Dorsey is the one player that was really a little bit of a surprise to me just because a lot of big boards right now have him either way late in the second round or not getting drafted at all. He has obviously signed with an agent. He's Gonzo. There's no way he's going to be coming back. And he had a great run in the NCAA tournament with all those 20-point games. But if you look before the Pac-12 tournament, he had not put together back-to-back 20-point games all season long. A little bit more of a heat check player. Though during uh, postseason play, Pac-12 tournament and the NCAA tournament, NCAA tournament shot something like 56 or 57% from three. I mean, the guy was just an absolute animal. 
So you have to take that into consideration. He's trying to strike while the iron's hot. I, if I were him, I would have came back for another year, but that's neither here nor there. And then we all know about Dylan Brooks. He's probably going to be an early second-round pick, in my opinion. I just felt like there wasn't a lot more he could do to help out his stock being a junior, and he wins Pac-12 Player of the Year. He helps lead Oregon to the Final Four, though he did have some silent games in the NCAA tournament, especially in the Elite Eight and the Final Four. But at the same time, Dylan Brooks, very, very special player, six foot six. The the question is, where is he really going to fit in the NBA? He's a little bit too small to be like a stretch four or stretch five, but at the same time, he's just not quick enough to be one of those like six six shooting guards. So I think that it's going to be a little bit precarious as to where he's going to fall in the NBA, but someone's going to take a shot on him in the second round. He's going to be a pick. So I and mean, you really can't fault him for declaring right now because I just don't think that another year at Oregon would have done him a whole heck of a lot of good. You get an extra year of a paycheck in the NBA rather than attending college where you get free swag and nice t-shirts and things like that and you get to be recognized in Eugene which is nice but at the same time it's on an NBA paycheck so really can't blame him there but you take a look at the system overall ever since the changes were made last year players can now go through the NBA draft process they can work out with teams they can attend the uh the combine without having to fully declare now, a lot of these guys have signed with agents. I mean, all the Kentucky guys, obviously, your Lonzo Balls. I mean, the three guys from Oregon who I mentioned before, they have all signed with agents. They're going to be in the draft no matter what. They cannot withdraw. That withdrawal date is actually May 24th, which comes two weeks after the NBA draft combine. So it is something that you really need to consider. And we actually spoke with Larry Kristowiak earlier this week. He does not like the system, as do I, because what we're noticing is because you can attend the NBA draft combine and you can go through all these workouts is that all these guys are declaring because they know that if they flame out, they can just go back to college. Makes it really hard for recruiting. And here are some of the guys that have declared for the NBA draft. Get ready, buckle up for safety, because you've probably heard of not too many of these guys. Jashawn Augusto, he was a five foot eleven freshman from Long Island University of Brooklyn. Mark Alstork, he was a junior, six foot five from Wright State. Trey Bell Haynes from Vermont. These are all players that declared for the NBA draft, by the way. Clandell Clutet, he is a six foot eight junior from Thiel College. The Tomcats in Division Three that played against Thomas Moore earlier this year. He didn't even lead his D3 team in scoring, and he declared for the NBA draft. Are you kidding me? Chris Clemens. Now, I actually remember this guy. He dropped 51 points in a game against UNC Asheville in the Big South Tournament for the Fighting Campbells of Campbell. He has declared for the NBA draft. I mean, some of these make obvious sense. I mean, Josh Collins at Wake Forest, Zach Collins over at Gonzaga, Chance Comanche. I mean, he's going to test the waters. And Angel Delgado over at Seton Hall. He's had a nice run of things. PJ Dozier over at South Carolina. But then you get some of the guys I was mentioning a little bit earlier. Tony Farmer from Lee College. They aren't even Division One, Division Two, or Division Three. For some reason, he has declared for the NBA draft. Darren Johnson of Cal State University, Northridge. Kareem Cantor, you may actually recall he is the brother of Enos Cantor. He was a junior over at UW-Green Bay. It looks like he's not going to enter the draft. He's probably going to be just a graduate transfer instead. But he nevertheless declared for the draft. Marin 
Merrick of Northern Illinois, the good old Huskies, he declared. I mean, there were more players that, that declared for the NBA draft from the University of Stetson than the entire state of Wisconsin, as Stetson had two players declare. Divine Miles and Derek Newton. Stetson, by the way, 3-11 in Atlantic Sun play, 11-21 and overall. Yeah, let that sink in. Apparently, a team that went 3-11 and in the Atlantic Sun has more players worthy of being drafted than the entire state of Wisconsin put out this year. For some reason, I shake my head at that a little bit. I mean, I don't know why, but that seems a little bit off. I mean, Randy Onwasser from Southern Utah. This one is the biggest joke of all time. Martavius Robinson, Lewis and Clark Community College. Sophomore, six foot ten. He averaged 2.1 points and three rebounds per game for Lewis and Clark Community College while shooting an astounding 27% at the free throw line. He has declared for the NBA draft. Fred Sims Jr., Chicago State. Matt Taylor, New Mexico State. James Thompson IV, Eastern Michigan. Antoine Warren, Antelope Valley Community College, which is apparently based in California, according to this uh, sheet that I'm reading right now. And Christian Wilson of UT San Antonio, who did not play a single minute this year. Those are some of the players that declared for the NBA draft. Now, obviously, there are guys that legitimately declared, and they're going to be getting highly drafted. I mean, Justin Penn, not a Creighton. I mean, obviously, you can't blame him there. Semi Ojale of SMU, he had himself a really nice year. Can't blame him for declaring. Heck, you even got some guys that are more fringe players, like a Marcus McDuffie at Wichita State, Yante Maton of Georgia. I mean, go for it. Tyler Lydon of Syracuse. He's going to be a first-round pick. I mean, heck, even Kadeem Layton. I can see why he declared from Oklahoma. Oklahoma had a dumpster fire of a year, but, I mean, he's a pretty good player. You can at least see where this is coming from. It's not like... With some of these, it's like, okay, I can see it. With some of these other guys, like Elias Johnson of Missouri State, it's like, why? Why do we have to go through this? Why do we need a 182-player list? Why do we have guys from Antelope Valley Community College declaring for the NBA draft? There needs to be some sort of a cutoff where if you don't average at least three points for a Division I team, you can't declare for the draft. I mean, it's incredible. And yet, we have some of these guys that they did nothing in college and they're going to be highly picked. I mean, Ike Anabogu of UCLA, he was like a number 50 recruit in the nation this year. He averages somewhere in the neighborhood of five points and four rebounds per game for UCLA, there are people saying he might be a lottery pick. I mean, I mean, do my eyes deceive me? I'm sorry, but how do some of these people evaluate talent? Because we see it year in and year out. There are so many busts in the NBA draft, and it's because these talent evaluators are just like, oh, he's got a really nice wingspan. Oh my goodness, look, he's six foot ten. You know what? You could probably find someone off the street that's six foot ten as well. He's probably not going to be giving you ten points per game like maybe this guy did at a JUCO school, but still, I mean, it's just absolutely astounding how they evaluate talent. Because I'm one of those people. I believe that 
there should be a little bit more of a value place on seniors because these are guys that have been in pressure pack situations. They've been productive for many years at school. They know what's going on. Granted, the upside with some of these guys isn't quite as high because obviously they're a little bit longer in the tooth than, say, uh, Skippy McSkippy from Kentucky, who's a freshman. But still, I mean, I just don't understand why the value of being able to put up numbers at, say, a school like we're going to throw out their Butler. I mean, Butler, a good, not great school, made the Sweet 16 this year. If you put up 15 points and nine rebounds per game, you know what? Probably a capable player in the NBA. Not like we've got some of these guys that, I mean, some of these guys from Kentucky that are averaging like two points per game. I mean, it's it's absolutely mind-blowing. It's one of those things... I feel like I do a good job of understanding the draft. I can sniff out a lot of these guys that are going to be really good players. Like I have been all in for a very long time on a couple of these seniors that I feel like are going to get passed over in the draft. I mean, Alec Peters, a guy from Valparaiso who is averaging like 22 points per game. He's a poor man's Frank Kaminsky, six foot nine. He shoots a three. He does a little bit of everything. Led Valparaiso to the NCAA tournament a couple years ago. Nearly led them to the NCAA tournament last year. But I mean, he was injured uh, this past uh, Horizon League tournament, and then last year you may recall Valparaiso made the NIT finals. So he was doing a really good job of helping carry the team. He has been a star ever since he was a sophomore. He had the chance to leave for the NBA last year. He decided to go back for a senior year. Greatly commend him. I mean, he's a guy that I would want on my team if I were drafting in the NBA in say the second round. Now, some of these guys you obviously do want to take a little bit more of a flyer on, like Zach Collins from. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like Zach Collins from Gonzaga. I mean, Zach Collins obviously did not have the world's greatest production, but at the same time, I mean, he averaged something like 10 points and 5 rebounds per game. So it's not like he was one of these guys off of Kentucky that averaged 3 points per game. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to declare for the NBA draft. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're going to be going for it. And here's a question because I don't think I've ever seen it happen. When's the last time a guy that averaged under 7 points and or seven rebounds per game in college has really had success in the NBA. I mean, I know that Devin Booker wasn't necessarily the most productive guy at Kentucky, and he's wound up to have a pretty good career so far in the NBA with the Phoenix Suns, dropping like 71 points in a game or something like that a couple weeks ago, but at least he was averaging probably at least close to 10 points per game. I mean, he was just a little bit lost in the shuffle because that Kentucky team that went something like 38-0 to begin the year, they just had so much talent, wasn't even funny, but I just still can't recall the last guy that just did absolutely jack diddly squat, came into the NBA and was like, boom, instant player. I mean, it's why Cliff Alexander, who you may recall was the, was the number three recruit in the nation, now actually plays for the Portland Trailblazers and did not get much time this year. I know that he at least used to play for the Portland Trailblazers. I think that he actually may not be with the team anymore. I'm not quite sure as to who he's playing for, but I remember he was with the Blazers. I mean, he only played like eight games last year, so I mean, it's one of those things when you have absolutely nothing to show for your college career. I mean, nothing. Let's let's look at Josh Shelby. I mean, Josh Shelby a couple years ago, I mean, with Kansas, he was like one of the top five recruits in the nation, just did nothing with the Jayhawks. Then he gets drafted in the second round by Memphis, we haven't heard from them since. I mean, it's no coincidence that these guys that have zero production in college just do not pan out in the in in the NBA. And it's not to say that you should be picking the guy who averaged the most points per game in college to the NBA. I mean, 
Marcus Keene is that guy. He's played for Central Michigan, the good old Chippewas. The Chippewas were nowhere even close to the NCAA tournament. He was averaging like 30 points per game. He had like tons and tons of 40-point games. It was absolutely insane, but I mean, obviously that's a little bit of an outlier seeing so the competition that he played. He's also five foot nine. That does not help. But at the same time, there has to be some sort of a balance because I have a feeling that Jordan Bell is going to be a really good NBA player. I mean, he's probably going to be, like I said, a late first, early second round pick, but he's about as capable as anyone in the post coming out of this year's draft. I mean, maybe you have someone like a Bam Adebayo who used to play for Kentucky. I mean, he's obviously a good player. We saw what he was able to do with Kentucky this year, but at the same time, I mean, Jordan Bell is a guy that if I were a GM, I'd be looking at him if I were in the lottery and I really needed some low post play. Now, obviously, if that's not one of my needs... I, I don't even know what team I can think of off the top of my head right now that doesn't need low post play in the NBA, but at the same time, if I'm pretty set, I've got like Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis, like the Belicans, obviously you're probably not going to pick Jordan Bell, but I mean, if you're a team that you have a need there, he was, he'd be someone that I would definitely look at. And I just feel like that's not the, that's not the mindset in the NBA because they want a bunch of 19 year olds that show flashes in a game against sisters of the poor university and then flamed out in the NCAA tournament because he doesn't have any idea on how to win a game whatsoever. So I feel like the NBA system is broken a little bit. I think that the whole, uh, that the whole process needs to be tweaked a little bit. I love that guys are able to do workouts and everything like that, but it's absolutely ridiculous to these coaches, as Larry Kristoliak was saying earlier on Pacific Rim. If you didn't hear that interview, you can take a look through the archives. It is there. Larry Kristoliak, head coach of the Utah Utes, did a great job of explaining it. He actually didn't even know that that David Collette had declared either, because I mean, when I saw the list, we had done it. We had done the interview the day before the list was actually uh, unveiled. He thought the only one that had declared was Kyle Kuzma, which that made total sense. Kyle Kuzma, very good player for Utah, and he's right now on the fence of whether or not to go to the NBA. But I mean, there needs to be a better way to do it. There needs to be a way in which these players can have their workouts, but at the same time, it doesn't completely hamstring these universities who have no idea who they're going to be having coming back next year. They have no idea what to do with their scholarships. So I'm hoping that they can do a, they can do a little bit of a better job, and hopefully one day, just one day, we can value guys that go back to school they give it their all for their university and they actually score more than five points per game what a novel concept success at the lower level translates to the higher level i mean who would have known it i mean some of these some of these guys that they take in the nba draft is just absolutely ridiculous and that's why i always laugh at these gms that think that they're geniuses but they turn out to be wrong so that's my little podcast for the day. Figured I would dish out on the NBA draft. It was, this came out a couple days ago. The NFL draft is going on, so wanted to give my two cents on it. Hopefully you're enjoying the coaches series that I'm putting out right now. Some very solid interviews thus far. I mean, obviously Larry Krasoliak, who I was talking about before, was excellent. You had Eric Musselman, Link Darner. Gary Payton the second list goes on and on. We've had a lot of good interviews. I'll be continuing to put those out all off season. And during the summertime, you're going to be catching my 
preview of all 32 conferences. We're going to be continuing interviews. Hopefully once the PK-80 rolls around, I'll be doing a lot of coverage there. So big things in store for Pacific Rim and some great bump music, as you heard in the beginning of the of this podcast. So for Greg right here over here at Pacific Rim 1029 and 750 The Game, this has been the latest podcast. Keep tuning in for more great college basketball coverage.